Well, hey, welcome back to the Pondo Podcast, and uh, we're at the Camp Talk edition. Uh, it's been a while. Had summer camp and took some time off, and uh, now we're back, jumping into our fall season. And I'm super excited. I've got uh, my friend Tom Chapin here today, or Papa Chapes, as he's known um, from time to time. <laughs> yep. And uh, and so, Tom, uh, you're up here just, what, hanging out, getting some rest for a little 24-hour period? Yeah, I've been I've been known to do that here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, yesterday I was in San Bernardino for, for a business um, lunch. Yeah. And rather than drive home, I texted <laughs> Skipper and you and said, can I crash in the chalet? Yeah, absolutely. Like always, you said yes. Yeah, so yeah. We, it's so we, good. We always have a full evening. That's right. Yes, we did. Steaks and broccoli. I ate broccoli last night. It's a yeah, big deal. It's I a did, big deal. I didn't know that until your <laughs> wife took the other half. <laughs> I caught my wife's eyes at one point when I was like chewing some, and she's like looking at me like, proud of you. Proud. Of you. I, I could just tell us what she was saying. You have some history there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so you've been around Pondo for a while. So really quickly, introduce yourself, where you're at in life. Talk about your family. You get this big, beautiful family. And then what's your history with Pondo? Yeah, so my name is Tom Chapin. I um, I am a guy that's connected to Pondo. Well, quickly, I, I, I married Monica 28 mm-hmm. years next wow. month. Congrats, man. We have five kids, um, 24, 22, 20, 18, and almost 16. Wow. Wow. So we've had a go. It's yeah. been good. Like yeah. really good. They all yeah. like each other. We really <laughs> like them. So I mean that's yeah. there's a lot of unity and beauty and good conversation in our house. So that's special. it's it's uh, but I do also like just getting out and meeting people and mm. you introduced me to one of your buddies this morning. Yep. And every time I'm up here I meet someone new. Mm. My my uh, gosh, my history started on a houseboat trip. My mentor, his name's Danny Wallen. He would drag me, he drove, I think two years in a row, there was an annual pastor's houseboat trip out in Lake Mead. Mm. And I went one year and um, I met Dan and a couple staff and learned about Camp Pondo. And I think Dan said, come by and check it out. Mm. Maybe we came up here and played disc golf or something. And then somehow I ended up speaking at a winter camp. Mm. And that happened for, I don't even know how many years in a row. But it was always a fun little vacation because yeah. I'd get to stay in the chalet with my kids and mm-hmm. they'd sled and meet a bunch of kids. And then I think I did a few summer camps as well. But I always just had a heart for this camp. I've been mm-hmm. at bigger camps and I think there's just great ministry that comes out. But there's something just, I want to say intimate, mm-hmm. organic yeah. that was going on here. It was yeah. it's an hour and a half from my house. And so I could run up the hill, mm-hmm. talk to Dan or take a nap in the sun or take... <laughs> take a walk on a trail and just yeah. pray like there it's just it really is a special place yeah it is it is well, that's awesome and you've been coming with danny for i don't know how many years now like helping with our staff training yeah. um different things like that and i think that's how you and i met and uh um and now you and danny are i mean you're obviously friends but you guys have invested so much in this place and in me and super grateful for that um and we were having steaks and broccoli last night and uh, we were talking about some stuff and you, you made this comment as we were talking about um, spiritual formation and, and growth and development and your passion for you know leading men through that process. And you made a comment about what if camp specifically, like youth camp, summer camp, winter camp, mm. wasn't so much about spiritual growth and it was more about becoming more human or a better human 
What, what did you, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So it's, it's a newer concept to me. Uh, my wife and I have been doing a lot of reading since COVID and we've gotten through some, to some new authors and read yeah. some great material. One of, one of the authors is Dr. David Benner and we read Surrender to Love. And then we ended up in this second book, um, The Gift of Being Yourself. And he, mm. he talks about how as Christians, we tend to focus on our spiritual growth mm. and, and knowing, wanting to know more about God and God's identity. And he, he kind of threw this idea in there that a big part of who we are in our own growth is, is, is human growth, like mm. knowing ourselves, our own identity, and how do we fit into this big meta-narrative that's going on, and how do we, how do we uh, get into places where we can allow God to hold up mirrors? Mm. Usually that's done in, in silence and solitude, right? Yeah. Some stillness. Um, be still and know that I am God. There's mm. something happening in those moments that make us really uncomfortable and we tend to not go there. But mm. I think if you can introduce camp kids to this idea of slowing down and just yeah. maybe learning how to exit the overactive mind and mm. always wanting to be liked or want attention or what are people thinking of me, which, you know, we're all going to go through that. And I think it has to happen, but maybe helping them discover that they have a heart yeah. and they have a loving father that would love to talk to them mm. if they sit in silence. He will show up and yeah. he'll say things that they need to hear. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It makes me think about, um, are you familiar with the Joshua program up at Hume? It's like their gap year program that they do. It's like a discipleship intensive. And uh, we actually got to be there in 2018 when they were starting their semester. And one of the first things that they do, it's like week one of the program, they take these kids up to their um, more remote discipleship camp called Wildwood. Mm. And they do this thing where they send the kids out roughly like four o'clock, you know, PM kind of thing like that. I want to be a kid again. Yes, exactly. And they send them out in the woods with nothing but like a Bible notebook, pen, flashlight. And they say, don't come back until you hear the music. And the night that we were there specifically, it was like five and a half hours like between start to when we started playing music mm. and it felt like a scene in like walking dead, seeing all these people walk out of the woods in the dark. But, yeah. um, but what was so interesting about that is we went straight from that time of silence and solitude for them into a time of like corporate, like vocal worship mm. and to see, I mean, that, at that point, mm. Summer Hill had been doing events for, you know, almost a decade. And I think that was one of the most unique moments of worship I've ever been a part of, like musically to see people who have just sat with the Lord for this extended amount of time. um, And we sang and then they they asked these questions about, um, Hey, what did God reveal to you? Or how was that time for you? And you had everything from, you know, like you said, kids really dealing with the mirrors to kids being like, I didn't get it. That was hard for me. Yeah. But it, but it, you used this phrase last night. It it became mysterious. It, It created something mysterious for them where now they went home and they're like, maybe I should do, try this again. Like maybe I should do this again mm-hmm. and sit with this, which is nothing wrong with it, but polar opposite from the typical camp schedule and energy, which is just through the roof. Like let's have fun. I mean, that's one of our core values is like we, we believe fun is going to break down walls um, to actually be able to do some ministry. Yeah. But at the same time, what you're talking about is in my mind, helping kids, not so much try to tack on things that are going like external things that will then impact the internal, yeah. but to really sit with the internal and then out of that, that overflow into um, 
what God has given them passions and gifts for. Yeah. I like what, I like the word you, you use worship going mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and we all enter worship at different ways and different. Yeah. So some kids would have gone out and they just don't know what to do. And they sit there and just think about, am I doing it right? Am yeah. I doing it wrong? And some yeah. of that has to do with personality. Mm. Some has to do with upbringing. Some has to do with their circumstances mm. in life and others. They can just sit there and they can just enter into mm. the heart and begin that process. It, it really is worship, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, mm. doesn't matter. It's a, yeah. it's a form of worship. Yeah. And I think that's where it begins. And I think that's why the music was probably so, the songs, the singing of the songs were so beautiful yeah. because they were already in a place of worship. Truth. So yeah. now they were just, they went from silence to, to vocalizing that in, in yeah. community, a banquet, so to speak, mm. of, of harmonizing and singing together. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think the second component to that was um to that is is there's a discipline there and the discipline mm-hmm. was they did take these four things and they did walk and they mm-hmm. went to a secret place and and so they and, and they sat for a while mm-hmm. and so you 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 it, we we often think of discipline as a bad thing but in this sense it's just you just choose to discipline yourself yeah. and go sit. Yeah in the morning mm. as an adult or on yeah. a log, you know, somewhere and, and enter that place of worship. Let's yeah. get out of this, this overthinking yeah. head that we have, so many of us have. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of the things that was interesting this, this summer at Pondo is for years and years and years they've done, I think if it's not every morning, it was like one or two mornings during the camp experience that mm-hmm. they would have like a early morning sunrise worship mm-hmm. thing where they would go out to the little bonfire That's area and, right? <laughs> and they would they would sing. And one of the things Ryan switched up this summer is we made it one morning where he, where a Pondo staffer went out there and led it um, musically. But what he encouraged them to do on the other days was, hey, just go out there and meet and pray. And it was so interesting how difficult it was for some of these people. And there's nothing wrong with this because it's just foreign to so many of us. But it was so hard for people to go out there and be in a group of people and to be silent and to be still and to to not make it something um, almost like corporate yeah. uh, of just to, to be around other people and, and just to, to sit and listen. Um, and that is something in noticing that it's like, man, how, how could we add those things into a camp experience? Because I would imagine for the most part, these kids aren't being challenged in that anywhere else. I, I you know, I think just talking about it is, is enough. I mm. mean, I think I'm thinking about, um, I don't know why this came to mind, but there's some incredible content that John Coe put out on spiritual formation and uh, what what it's in two hour increments. It's like mm. five different segments. Wow. And he there's one of them going on in the dark nights, the dark nights of the soul. This this idea, and um, he talks about how when we do enter that place of silence, it's often so uncomfortable um, that we exit and just go open the Bible mm. <laughs> because that that wow. human growth, that that human. Um, reality of hey we 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 are sinners and we do mm. fall short and we have a lot of insecurities and some of us have shame or guilt or mm. we have bitterness or resentment and like there's a lot going on that we don't really want, really want to look at and yeah and so even as adults we run from that so kids don't have the tools yet so if you can if you can if we can somehow uh, let them know that you know it's great to run to your Bible if God's calling you there, but if God's calling you to stay mm. in a place of silence, don't use your Bible to escape. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. I wasn't raised that way. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's um, a different concept, it though, is. isn't it? It's to, very different. Just, just to talk about that, because now you've given them an opportunity to do something different and yeah. maybe sit there, even if it's 30 seconds or mm. three minutes longer, Yeah, something's going to happen. Absolutely. God, God is present. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So let, let, let's migrate over to this, because we've, we've also been talking about this a little bit, but let's take like COVID pandemic, all that stuff off the table. And, and I mean, it obviously it's huge and it's impacted all of us, mm. but as a father, as a pastor, as someone who's, you know, guiding people into this, um, n- almost like a new perspective, not new, but you know, different perspective on how to engage with the Lord. How do you see camp still being beneficial for, for students, for youth ministries, for churches, um, and just people pursuing Jesus altogether. Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question, right? You yeah, for sure. A million directions. I don't know that there's a right or wrong. And I think in context, there could be this is wise um, for our camp this year or next year. And But first of all, I'm a big fan of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I, I think camp's got to be careful not to copy mm. what's trendy or what other camps are doing. I really think you have to act as if God is real mm. as as a team and go to prayer and listen to the Holy Spirit and do what um, God's calling you to do at your camp. Mm. And I think a lot of it will just come out, of, come out of that. But I mean, part of camp is John the Baptist ministry, come and see, just showing kids around and you do yeah. it through fun and you do it through fellowship. But then there's another part that's follow me. We're yeah. giving kids an opportunity to know Jesus and follow Jesus. And, yeah. and um, so I, I think both of those are super important. But the other thing about kids, that they're at that time in life where they're shifting from how kids tend to learn and grow versus how adults tend to learn and grow. Mm. So I learned this from my mentor, Danny, years and years ago. He talked about like pedagogy has had kids learn. It's typically through role modeling. And so at camp, there's a lot of role modeling going on. Mm. And we, we, we do that really, really well here. But a lot of these kids are transi- transitioning into the adult way of learning, which is andragogy, and it's discovery. Okay. Adults learn through discovery. So you have to put them in situations where they have to decide give them opportunities to take risks and make mistakes and it's safe and okay to do that. Yeah. You're a musician. How many times have you made mistakes? Uh, Plenty. Yeah. And you need to make those. And it's the same thing. And we have to give kids an opportunity here at camp to maybe take some risks and make some mistakes because Mm -hmm. that's how they're going to learn the rest of their life as through discovery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm just thinking in my head of, uh, you know, putting kids in rec teams and, you know, all of the chaos mm-hmm. that um, comes with that. And yeah, you do see those kids that take it as an opportunity to make it about themselves. And and then if, if we're doing a good job of, of equipping and training our staffers for them to like kind of serve as these guides, you know, hey, like, why'd you do that, man? You know, like, yeah. what, what what about that made you feel like it needed to be about you? And yeah. um, I, I listened to a thing the other day where a guy was talking about pattern recognition and um, and camp, I feel like camp provides a space for that. This is just kind of like popping up in my head, but especially for youth leaders, you know, I mean, you talk about camp being an opportunity for them to come and just get to pay 100% attention mm. on their students and building those relationships. I, I think in that week of camp, it 
creates an opportunity to recognize some patterns in these students, some things that, you know, like I remember myself, like being a a staffer or not a staffer, sorry, being a camper Mm. and I'd go to camp and it felt the same. Like my whole 13 to 18 year old, like the pattern was I go to camp. I feel this deep desire in the South. There's this thing called surrendering to the ministry. Mm. And I felt this deep desire to surrender my life to the Lord and to ministry only to find out that, you know, then from September to May, hmm. life didn't look any different. Yeah. And I had a few people in my life that were holding me accountable to that, but what did that even mean? Yeah. Then I'd show up the next year, do the same thing, do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you think about in the West here, we uh, this, there's this Greek model of learning. So somebody gets on stage and they, they speak to many mm-hmm. people, you mm-hmm. know, 50, 100, 500, 5,000. And um, so it's it's... A way of learning, but not not everybody learns that way. Mm-hmm. You can only you can only be so intimate. You can only answer so many questions. And so, what I think is brilliant about camp is the Hebrew model um, of learning is just one on one or mm-hmm. one to a few over time. And yeah. it's been said that camp um, one day at camp is like a, a week in real life. Oh wow! It's just so time seems to slow down. It's almost like if, if Kairos is going on here. You yeah, know, yeah. we're not the the, the ticking of the seconds is is not controlling what's happening here, and so you get to walk with one or two or, or a few students, kids, campers, and and listen to their heart. And mm. you know, you're in creation. Yeah, you're um, you're talking about things that that are important to them that mm. they probably can't share back home because yeah. they have school schedules and athletics and yeah. it goes on and on yeah. chores it, it's just so this is a real opportunity to do i would say sort of hebrew ministry one-on-one over time yeah and yeah. that you're like you said you get the youth pastor gives a real opportunity to mm-hmm. see his, his campers or his students in a new way yeah yeah love that love that so you were kind of joking about this but you know you used to speak at pondo and um and you you made this comment about as things started to you know you're you're getting older uh Campers are getting younger, yes. And there was it felt like a little bit of this disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you? How do you? I don't know. This is just a random question, but how do you see yourself continuing to engage with uh, younger people? Like, as you're getting older, yeah. And and um, uh, something I've just noticed for years and years and years is you know with kind of the new trendy big mega church thing, it feels like there's a pretty consistent disconnect between the older generations and the younger. Um, and I know for, for me, that was always something I felt. It was very real to me. And I would be intentional about going out and finding older men to play golf with or have breakfast with and things like that. Um, so I'm just curious for someone who's had the experiences that you've had, raised five kids, you've got a couple of teenagers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing to engage with and to disciple, you know, these younger, younger guys and girls? Yeah. I mean, if I were to say one word, I would say levity. Mm. I think you have to have a lightheartedness. I mean, I think Jesus was, when he said, I've come that you might have life and life to the fullest, it wasn't to walk around with your head down and all these heavy mm. burdens, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I just see so many of us doing that. And mm. so I, I think if if you're portraying that and you make yourself available, I, th- I, I think like your generation and below they're way more open. I mean, I'm 51 now and, and I'm not hip or cool or anything. And, but I, if I'm available and I'm easy to talk to, yeah. um, I, you guys are like the gracious 
generation. It's mm. like you don't. I don't have to perform. I don't have to be anything but Tom Chapin, and yeah. and, and that's it. And yeah. God still happens to use me. I, yeah. You know, and yeah. There's there's no blueprint. There's no model. There's no. I don't have questions lined up that I'm gonna ask. I just it either. Either God's doing something or he's not. And I I just think it's that simple. Yeah. No, I love that. And like you saying that makes me think about with social media and and a lot of the fluff that's on social media. There's fluff on social media? Oh, yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, But, but, you know, the small amount of fluff that's on social media. I better take my account down. (laughs) (laughs) He's deleting it right after this. Um, Is that I think this, this, I would say the teenagers that are teenagers right, right now, like they sniff right through this stuff. Mm, and do. it's really interesting to me how that's going to impact the current structure of, of camps and chapel sessions and things like that. Because, you know, you used to be able to like take someone who was this big name speaker, mm. throw them on stage and everybody was like, yeah, awesome. Um, I feel like that's a lot less and less nowadays because one, these kids probably aren't even following these people that we're bringing in to speak. Like they don't even know who these people yeah, are. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so that switches some things up, but even like the structure of it, like to have a kid sit in a 45 minute chapel session, um, especially with just kind of what social media is doing to our attention spans and things like yeah. that. It feels like things are needing a shift. Well, it's, it could probably be said that we're addicted to celebrity mm. in, in the West, Yeah, maybe especially here in Southern California. Um, but it's like, what what what's the fruit that's coming out of that? Mm. Um, I know there's some sour fruit coming out of yeah. it. But I, I see a lot of greed in that mm. that, that chase, that pursuit. And it, I was my my birthday a couple weeks ago, and we, we get all five kids say, "Please, can we all just drive from your house and yeah. meet up for for a nice meal?" And and then we go around and you know what I like about you, or you know say some nice. So, yeah. so six people said some nice things about me. And, my older son, he's 24, and uh, he said something that that I really appreciated. He said, "Dad, what I what I like about you is that like when I bring all my friends to the house, that you're very unassuming. Hmm. Like you're you're just kind of a weird, dorky guy. And <laughs> you're easy to talk to, and you're very non-threatening. Yeah. But then as the night goes on, you actually have substance and." you care and you listen and you can talk about really deep things, spiritual yep. things. It yep. could be business. It could be relationship. And, and he said, so I, I think it's very, it's a very powerful uh, way to live your life. Yeah. And it's just who you are. Yeah. It's not like I'm trying to do that, but mm. you know, I, I would just say it's really important for us to be ourselves. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, you just have to be who God yeah. made you. Yeah. I love that. And I, and it feels like a pretty consistent thing. I mean, even people I've, we've, we've talked with like on the podcast with before, um, about showing up, you know, for students and like mm-hmm. how much presence and consistency and availability. And now I'm going to add levity, mm-hmm. um, you know, to that presence. Um, it's just so important. And I feel like you, you made this comment this morning at breakfast is that, um, it's just so important to show kids like what, you you said the promised land like specifically yeah. is you know all you can do is walk them to the edge yeah say hey this is all that is is potentially out there yeah. all the things that could be um, and not force them into that yeah um, and and God makes it very clear that He puts Himself 
on display and, and makes himself known to us. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, I'm 32 and, and getting up there and, you know, like the way that I feel kind of towards students is, you know, how I feel like, you know, you feel towards me and, mm. um, and, yeah, and all you, of this. You have to know there's more. That's what's I, exactly it's, like. Exactly, is this all there is? Is kind of the nagging question in the back of all, all of our minds, especially when you yeah. get older in your 40s and 50s. Yeah, and I think it's really important to say, hey, you're you're not here yet. Yeah, but there's a whole big beautiful world for you to explore. Yeah, and don't feel in a rush to get there. God will mm. get you there. And it's usually God gets you there through pain and suffering. Yeah. You, you know, it's been said like by a lot of the contemplatives and mystics is that you have to leave the garden. Mm-hmm. And sadly, we go from the garden of Eden to the garden of Gethsemane mm. and we have to drink the cup. We don't yeah. like to drink it, Yeah, but then there's always that return home. We're called mm. back ultimately to this garden of, of Eden in fellowship with one another. And it's, it's a time of celebration mm. And so life can't always just be a big celebration. Yeah. It's going to be hard. Yep. And I think that if you can tell kids your life's going to be hard, but some of your best growth by a long shot is going to come out mm. of your sadness, your depression, your fear, your brokenness, your broken heart, you know, it, it you're going to grow Yeah. and don't, don't give up. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, thanks, Tom. Seriously. Um, love that you're Thank here. You. Thanks for the steaks. Thanks for breakfast and um, this conversation. And uh, yeah, it's just cool to see um, that over over the years, the Lord has brought so many people like yourself, you know, here to Pondo. They're still investing. And, and you're right. This place is special. It is. And, and it's cool to know that you've been walking around this property for a lot of years and there's still um, just a quiet space available for us, you know, yeah. um, and not just here, but literally like in your backyard, in your living room, wherever. And um, if anything, we just hope this podcast serves as a, yeah, a reminder of the more that you just mentioned. Um, and God's available and he's He's with us and waiting. And uh, yeah, I think I think the past couple of years in what they have been, have, have been a forced slowdown mm. and a forced um, kind of coming into awareness of um, God's faithfulness and presence um, and what it looks like to engage with that daily. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Well, thank you to you as mm-hmm. well. I, uh, this past Sunday, my, my pastor, Benji, down at Light Church in, in San Diego, gave a, a message on hospitality. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you, we walked out, my wife and I walked out of that message, and we, we all just need to hear this all the yeah. time. It's like, we are called to radical hospitality. Yep. That's some of the best ministry you'll ever do. So thank you back to you, because when I show up here, you, Dan, Becky, the whole, everybody, I get radical hospitality mm-hmm. when I'm here, and I feel so loved. So yeah. And then I end the trip with this. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> pretty pretty sweet. So thank you. Well, cool. Well, hey, we'll catch you next time on the Pondo Podcast. See ya. Mm-hmm.